0: You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It is awesome to have all you beautiful people here today. And those watching online, if I have the chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here at Calvary. And man, I... I just think back to a year ago, and I'm sorry to rehash this, uh, but man, a year ago at this point, I was out in my front yard watering plants, wondering when uh, we'll be able to get back to church in person. And I can't tell you what it means as a pastor to be here and to see so many of you here that we can gather and worship together, get to hear voices as we worship. And uh, I'm so thrilled, and we are blessed to have technology that many of you are watching online, and we can do that. But I'm also uh, so overjoyed that we can gather like this together, and uh, to gather as a church family. And I wanted to share a couple quick things before we jump into God's word this morning. One, uh, some of you might be aware of this. This past week, last Sunday morning, my wife and I uh, had our fourth child. Some of you are like, they're crazy, yes. Um, But this is little Adelaide Marjorie Addie Mae. And uh, she was born last Sunday at 921. She was a big baby. She was eight pounds, 12 ounces. And uh, she's a wonderful little girl, and we're just blessed to have her in our life. So I just want to say thank you for everyone's support and prayer. You guys have been an awesome church family, and we are just blessed to get to raise our kids in such a great place, Uh, such a great community. It's a great church, and we're really fortunate for that. And uh, the next few weeks here at Calvary, today we're starting a new series called Real Conversations. And throughout this month, we're having a conversation about topics that maybe we, not, we don't normally cover in church. That maybe you're like, that's an odd thing to talk about in church. Do you actually talk about that? You know what? I believe that God's word has a lot to say about everything we deal with in life. Uh, and, and it's important sometimes to understand how to apply what God's word says in different situations. So next week, uh, you heard in the Calvary Connection, we're going to have Kayla Stecklin with us. Um, her husband died by suicide in 2018, was a pastor. And I'm going to be interviewing her about the truth about mental illness and and what it looks like to walk through that together as a church. And you might be like, that doesn't really apply to me. Uh, Well, statistics show one in four Americans either struggle with some form of mental illness or know someone that does. Uh, So if you just look around the room, that's a good portion of us. And uh, I think it's important for us as a church to say, what does God's word say about our emotional and mental health? Because God's concerned about that too. Uh, The week after that, we're going to talk about the truth about burnout, and I'm going to be interviewing two frontline workers from our church who have been on the front lines of this pandemic, and what does burnout look like? This has been a really difficult year for them, and how do we walk through that, and what does God intend for us when we're facing burnout? And then last week, we're going to be joined by Pastor Brian Cuck. He's been here before, but um, Pastor Brian pastored a church in Reading, Pennsylvania, a few years ago. Him and his wife were on a, uh, a ride in their motorcycle on a Sunday evening, and a drunk driver crossed the middle line, went head on right into their, uh, their motorcycle. Uh, Pastor Brian lost his wife that day and his left leg. And uh, that last Sunday of this month, we're going to be talking about the truth about suffering. What does it mean to suffer as a follower of Jesus, and how do we walk through that? So these are going to be really important weeks, and uh, man, I encourage you to invite someone, a neighbor, a friend, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, where those conversations go. Uh, where we talk about things that maybe we don't talk about enough uh, because, you know, all the big stuff is fun to talk about, but, but God cares about all the stuff. He cares about what's going on the inside of us. He cares about how we're processing, how we're walking through what we're walking through, and it's going to be important a uh, few weeks together. Now, um, uh, about 15 years ago, there was a moment uh, for us as Steeler fans. How many Steeler fans do we have today? A lot more in this service than last service. That's good to hear. I think we had a bunch of Browns fans in last service. You know, I'm just kidding. Um, we, would never have, we would never let Browns fans in this church. Man. <laughs> our security, our safety team is a little bit more thorough than that. Sorry. Um, sorry to, 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 to doubt our safety team. But uh, Sunday, January the 5th, 15th, in 2006, the Steelers are playing the first seed Indianapolis Colts in the AFC Championship game. Some of you might remember this. Uh, there was a minute 20 left in the game. The Steelers are up. Uh, they're up 21 to 18. Uh, the ball is on the two-yard line. The Steelers have it. Uh, Jerome Bettis uh, is going to be handed the ball. Everyone knows it. The whole stadium knows it. Everyone knows because he's the bus. Two-yard line. This is a give me. He's going to make it. There were rumors throughout that season that this was going to be Jerome Bettis's last year. What a better way to go out than a trip to the Super Bowl for Jerome Bettis. It was playing out to be perfect. That epic scenario was all gonna happen. Uh, one minute 20, he's gonna walk it into the end zone. Uh, Then the unthinkable happened. Jerome Bettis fumbles. Nick Harper uh, from the Colts picks up the ball. He has daylight in front of him. The only thing standing between him, the end zone, and a certain Super Bowl is Big Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger, right about the 45-yard line, has a shoestring tackle, saving the game, saving the day. Uh, I don't know how you felt with the, what's become known as the tackle, but that was the moment where I almost passed out because I was like holding my breath for all of those seconds Nick Harper running. Like, this can't be happening. Ben, Big Ben uh, and, 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 and the bus and all of this is supposed to happen. We're supposed to win the Super Bowl. Now, this uncharacteristic fumble by Jerome Bettis would have gone down as one of the most epic fails in sports history uh, except for Big Ben's tackle. Jerome Bettis would have been vilified by Steeler Nation. We'd still be talking about it today. He'd be in the same conversation as Bobby Brister. It would be rough for, for Jerome Bettis. He wouldn't have a restaurant on the North Shore anymore. Uh, none of that would have happened. Uh, the bus would have was spared embarrassment and shame. Uh, of that moment, all because Big Ben saved the day. Uh, Jerome Bettis was really close to being lumped in with some of sports' biggest blunders ever, like Bill Buckner missing a ground ball in the 1986 World Series. That that was a horrible moment. Or, or Steve Bartman's controversial... Uh, Fan interference at Wrigley Field in 2003 National, Championship, National League Championship Series. Or, or even Chris Webber's timeout that they didn't have in the 1993 NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship, uh, where they lost that game all because he called a timeout that they didn't have. These are all moments that would go on to define each of these people for years to come if it were not... Still to this day, I mean, if you talked to, you might be like, I don't know anything about sports. I just like cheer, go sports all the time. I promise you, if anyone in your family or friends that know sports, anything about sports, mention the name Bill Buckner, chances are really good they're going to know who that is. Steve Bartman, oh, chances are really good, especially if they have any, any feelings about the Cubs. They definitely would know Steve Bartman. These are names that have become epic for their failures. Bill Buckner. Huh. Missed the ground ball, the Red Sox would lose that World Series, continuing their very, very long streak of losing, of not getting a World Series. For, for the Cubs, Steve Bartman uh, interfered, supposedly, with that fly ball, and the Cubs would lose that series, once again, continuing their own long streak without a World Series. For Chris Webber, he was part of the famed Fab Five. Because of that timeout that he called that they didn't have, they would lose that game. They would never, the famed 5-5, one of the best freshman classes ever in college basketball history, would never get a championship because of that, and partly because of that, that, that timeout. Now, these are uh, epic mistakes that get a lot of press. Uh, but I think we probably all have those moments in our lives where we've done something or said something that we'd later regret uh, or, or, or regret what, we've, what it cost us. Uh, all, all we could use is, is, a, is Big Ben saving the day and sparing us the shame of ruining something good in our lives. We'd all appreciate that. Uh, now, wrapped up in the Easter story is one of those types of moments It's a moment that, unfortunately, is often overlooked. Uh, Now, let me set the scene for a minute. Jesus had been arrested by the Roman soldiers and taken to the home of the Jewish high priest and put on trial for religious crimes. Now, his disciples quickly dispersed for fear that they might be the next ones. Uh, and, And here's what took place. It's recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. We're picking up in verse 54. It says, Then seizing him, speaking of Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Uh, and, and it keeps going. Verse 55. And and. When some of them, some, some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with him. So, uh, kind of give you an idea. They're basically gathered here at, in this courtyard outside the high priest's home. There's a fire going. They sit down. As soon as Peter sits down, one of the high priest's servants recognizes him. Uh, a servant girl, it says in verse 56, saw him seated there in the, in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. Uh, in verse 57, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. Now, this is interesting because Peter, not too, early, too, too much earlier than this, had actually chopped off the ear of a soldier who was trying to come arrest Jesus. Peter was this guy who's like, Jesus, I will do anything for you. I'll protect you. I'll do whatever you ask of me. I'm, I'm going to be your most loyal disciple. I'm here for you. And now, not too many moments later, he's actually denying he even knows Jesus. This is crazy. And then it goes on. Verse 58. It says, "A little later, someone else came to him and said, "You also are one of them. Man, I am not." Peter replied. "Now he's just getting irritated. He's just getting frustrated, maybe frustrated or worried that, that they might find out he's one of Jesus' disciples and arrest him, do something to him. Maybe, maybe deep down, partly he knows he's abandoning Jesus at one of the most difficult moments Jesus would experience on, on his, in his time on earth. Whatever it might be, this wasn't the end. It keeps going. Uh, This was the final blow. Uh, Verse 59, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow is with him, for he is a Galilean. Uh, Now, the reason they probably knew he was a Galilean was from his accent, how he talked. You know, people know we're from Pittsburgh because we say yins and and at and all of those things. Um, We love to have our Pittsburghese. Um, Well, well, Galileans had a certain way of talking, so uh, immediately someone recognized because uh, of how he was talking. And verse 60, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Now, this is key because earlier in that day, just after dinner, Jesus had told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter denied. He's like, no way, I would never do that. That's not going to happen. And then... After this takes place, he, he, he's denied knowing Jesus. This rooster has crowed, meaning it's almost uh, daylight, like it's the early, early, wee early uh, hours of the morning. Uh, the most excruciating moment of this whole story takes place. Verse 61. It says, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now, uh, Think about this for a minute. Jesus is up there basically on trial. Um, They are sending people who are saying things about Jesus that never actually happened. They're making stuff up. Their goal is to get rid of Jesus. The religious leaders hated Jesus. Why? Because he questioned them. He brought them back to truth. And so often they like to live in their own uh, ulterior reality that wasn't accurate or true. It wasn't even based in scripture. And Jesus is bringing it back to this is what God says. This is what it means to to live for God. And they didn't like him. He pushed all the wrong buttons for them. And they wanted to get rid of him. And So they put him on this trial and they're sending all these witnesses in. People saying things that weren't true. And, And this is a really difficult time. And everyone's gathered in this courtyard and they're watching what's transpiring. And there's Peter sitting there around a fire, people asking him, are you one of him? Are you a disciple of Jesus? And he keeps denying it. And then the rooster crows and he hits him. He takes him back. Oh, Jesus told me I was gonna do this. And I said I wouldn't, now I did. And the worst possible thing that could happen for Peter in that moment takes place. He locks eyes with Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever done something to hurt someone you love, someone you care about. When that happens and you lock eyes with that person, You lose it. Why? Because the the reality of what you've just done, you've just hurt someone that means something to you that's important to you. Like when you're looking at someone in the eyes, you're seeing into their soul. In this moment, Peter locks eyes with Jesus. And the reality of what he's just done to someone that's really important to him hits him. And it says he goes out and weeps bitterly. If you could imagine the weight of emotion that Peter was feeling in this moment. Now, if you follow this story forward, Uh, You probably know the story, or maybe you've heard the story. Jesus would eventually be sentenced to die upon a cross, which was the most gruesome way to die that the Romans even had available to them. Jesus would be marched through the streets of Jerusalem in a a parade of shame and mockery. He he would then be taken to a hill outside the city limits of Jerusalem, on, on a hill called Golgotha, where he would be nailed to a cross, hung to suffocate and die a very painful public death. It was by far one of the most inhumane, excruciating ways human beings have ever devised to kill another human being. And watching this all transpire was Peter. Peter was watching this all play out. Peter knew Jesus was an innocent man. Peter had watched Jesus perform miracles, literally calling a man out of the grave Back to life. He had seen with his own eyes the compassion, the sacrifice, the wisdom that this man named Jesus embodied. He knew without a doubt that he was God in the flesh. And now all he could think about were those last moments. The mistake that would surely stick with him for the rest of his entire life. I'm sure he was convinced, as many of us are when we make big mistakes, that, that, that this was going to to. to to be that one moment that would define the rest of his existence on earth. It would always hang over his head. He'll never be able to outrun it. That moment the rooster crowed and he locked eyes with Jesus had to have been playing over in his head, over and over and over again. What was he thinking? Why in the world did he do that? Peter had to have been beating himself up over this. The guilt, the sorrow, the sorrow, The depression had to have been overwhelming for Peter. He had let down the friend that had never, would never let him down. How in the world is Peter ever going to overcome this? And a few days later, everything changed. Luke chapter 24, verse 1, here's what took place. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, understand these women took spices to the tomb, not because they're trying to cook a meal, but at this time, uh, it was proper to bring spices to kind of help a decomposing body, uh, the odor and everything. And this is what they're doing. They're coming to care for uh, their lost loved one, as many would do at that time. Verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. and You find some of the other gospels What had taken place. There was a stone put in front of that tomb that, to help seal the tomb because there were rumors that Jesus' disciples were going to come uh, steal Christ's body. And so they sealed the tomb, but they also put armed guards, Roman soldiers, out in front of the tomb to, to guard the tomb. And now these women walk up and the tomb is open. So they, what do they do? They walk in. Uh, So they entered. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Can you say he has risen? That's why we're here today. This is incredible. Uh, not that Jesus died on the cross, but he rose again. He's risen. Then the women quickly went back to where the other disciples were gathered, and they shared what they had experienced. And as they share this with these men of faith, men of valor, these disciples of Jesus. You know what they did? They didn't believe them. They're like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what are you smoking? He died. We watched him die. They put him in the grave. Like, He's gone. What are you thinking? That's what it says in verse 11. Maybe not all of that, but basically, if you read between the lines, it said, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. They're like, that's absolutely crazy. That's insane. That didn't happen. But one of the disciples needed this to be true more than any others. Verse 12, Peter, Peter. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Can you say run? Run. He ran to the tomb. He didn't just like kind of uh, walk over there. He ran to the tomb. And it says, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. These were the strips of linen that would have wrapped Jesus' dead body. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This was, was extra important to Peter. Because if this was true, if Jesus really had been resurrected from the dead, then his mistakes were not the end. There was still hope to make things right. He might have a future not defined by that one moment he screwed up. Sometime later, Peter would find himself around a fire again, very similar to the setting where he denied even knowing Christ. This time, though, Jesus was preparing uh, a meal of fish for Peter and some of the other disciples. And uh, as they're sitting there, I would imagine the thought of what Jesus had Peter had done to Jesus is racing through his mind. How's Jesus going to respond to him? What's he going to do? Like, is Jesus going to forgive him? Is Jesus just going to forget and move on, like like it didn't happen? Is Jesus going to hold this against him for the rest of his life? Like, what's going to take place? As the worship team comes and Peter asks, or Jesus asks Peter a series of questions to sit around this campfire. It's recorded in Luke's gospel chapter, or John's gospel, chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Interesting conversation. Verse 16 again. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter's hurt. It says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He's like, did you not hear me the first two times? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he goes on. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself when you, where you wanted. You went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And I want to stop for a second. Peter would be a martyr for the faith. What Jesus is saying here sounds kind of like depressing, like, oh, he's going to die. That's, that's a bad thing. He's saying, this isn't the end, there's going to be more. Then he said to him, these two powerful words, follow me. He said, follow me. You know, those are two words that Jesus had said to Peter in their first interaction, first time Jesus and Peter met. He said, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And now, come in full circle. Jesus didn't give up on that. He said, follow. I mean, you know there's sometimes this idea that we can believe that like there are certain moments like we, we cross this threshold where God's purposes no longer apply. Like we go too far. We've made, made too many mistakes. We've messed up. We've screwed up. The things that we've done in our life or where we come from or the family that we, that we, we came from or we, we, the things in our past, all those things might disqualify us from the purposes of God. Can I tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. The purpose God has for your life. What, what David writes in Psalm 139, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made that all the days ordained for you were written in his book, God's book, before one of them came to be. God wrote your beautiful story. Before any of that happened, before any of the mistakes you made, he wrote that story. and You know what? Nothing can disqualify you from that. Peter, Peter surely questioned it. Is it even possible? Like, I screwed up. Maybe I'm gonna be kicked out of the whole disciples, disciple group. Maybe, maybe I'm like banished. What, what's gonna happen? You know what Jesus comes back with? Follow me. Brings it back to the beginning. Follow me. Through these questions, Jesus wasn't questioning Peter's commitment, he was bringing Peter back to what ultimately mattered. It wasn't the mistakes he made. It was ultimately the heart that Peter possessed. Oftentimes, we allow our mistakes, unfortunately, to define us. Not, not because we're bad people, but because that's what we're told by the world around us. That the things you do define you. Your job defines you. Your title defines you. The mistakes you've made define you. You're an alcoholic. You're divorced. You're a screw-up. You're, you're an addict. Whatever it might be. Those things that you do define you. What's Jesus saying to Peter? No, 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 your heart. It's not about the things you've done, it's about your heart. Is your heart in the right place? Our mistakes become, unfortunately, the label we carry. They define our existence, they determine what we can or cannot do, they become the weight we carry throughout our entire lives. But Jesus here is saying otherwise. He's asking Peter, Where's your heart? If that's in the right place, then move forward. Step into a new destiny, into a new life. Follow me again. What's tragic for so many today is we now live on the other side of the cross. And yet we so easily forget the work of the cross. We find ourselves with a hammer in our hands, ready to crucify Jesus all over again because we feel that our sins are too great. Our mistakes are too great, that they're too much. We can never, ever be forgiven of them. And this is what I love about Jesus. In those moments, Jesus gently comes to us, takes the hammer out of our hands and simply asks us, do you love me? And if you do, then follow me. Let the past be in the past because I have forgiven you. And I I don't know what you came to Calvary Church on this Easter Sunday in 2021 with I don't know what you're carrying for those watching online the the, the baggage and the labels and all that has been put on you maybe from your own doing maybe you deserve it you feel because of the things you've done I'm not discounting mistakes and the consequences that follow those mistakes maybe you've been carrying that and you've accepted the fact this is your lot in life this is what you'll be the rest of your life this is how you'll be known, and you're okay with that to live out the rest of your existence carrying that label, carrying that weight. I want to tell you on this Easter Sunday, He's risen. He's risen. What does that mean? That there's new hope for tomorrow. As we heard the video before, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. There's hope, He's risen. And and, and that might not mean anything to you, but I'm telling you it's everything to you. Because it means that death is not the end. Friday was not the end. The cross was not the end. Your mistakes are not the end. For Peter, this is a microcosm of our life. And this is what I love about Scripture, that it's real. Peter screwed up. But Jesus didn't hold it against him. He forgave him. And you know what? Peter would go on to be one of the leaders in the early church. And I, I don't know what you're walking through, what you're dealing with, what you're facing. But I believe Jesus is wanting you to know today that you can follow him. And he's reaching out and saying, all the baggage, all that you've got in your life, the mistakes, what the Bible calls sin. He's reaching out and saying, do you love me? And follow me. And, and I wanna, before the band's gonna sing a song and we close, I wanna pray. And, and prayer maybe for you is just like a religious thing that like priests or pastors do and you know you get through that and then you move on prayer is not that if that's all prayer is to you man you are missing so much prayer is a conversation with the holy almighty God the very God that spoke everything into existence the very God that is called the dead back from the grave that's the God we get to talk to how cool is that and I want to pray talk to that God on your behalf this morning And, and maybe maybe this will spark your own conversations with God where you can actually talk to him yourself. You don't have to go through a pastor or a priest or anyone like that. You can actually talk to him yourself. That's what Jesus made possible when he went to the cross. Rose again. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate that you have risen, that, that our past isn't our, isn't our past, but you can write a new future for us, that you can forgive us, or that we don't have to live condemned the rest of our life but that we can experience your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness Holy Spirit I pray that you would just remind us if there are those that are here in person or watching online that that have never responded to that challenge you gave Peter to follow you I pray Lord today wouldn't just be another holiday but today would be the beginning of an incredible journey of following you having their chains dropped off their shoulders the chains that have bound them for many years, the lies they believed, and they could follow the truth of what your word says and your purposes, experience your forgiveness. Jesus, I pray you begin to move in people's hearts even now. Do miracles, Lord. What others have said are impossible. Lord, let it be possible right now in Jesus' name. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here in person or online, you'd say, Nick, I've never responded to follow Jesus. I've never experiences forgiveness. I didn't even know that was possible. I've I, I've never even tried to live out his purposes in my life. But I'm willing to try. I'm willing to accept his forgiveness. I'm I'm willing to admit I need a savior. I'm not perfect. But I want to live my life to honor Jesus. I want to commit to follow him as Peter did. If that's you this morning I'm going to count to three. As I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. Whether you're sitting at home or in your car or you're sitting here in a pew On three, I just want you to reach your hand toward heaven and say, Jesus, that's me. I'm going to follow you. See, Peter had to follow Jesus. He had to do something. That's our physical act, saying, I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen, amen. Anyone else? Amen, amen, amen. You can put your hands down. And I'm going to ask everyone that raised their hand, but even those that didn't. You might be like, I've been going to church since I was two months old. That's cool. We're going to all pray together. We're a church family. We're in this together. We're not all in this. Sometimes we can feel isolated like, man, I've got to figure this out on my own. No, we're in this together. We're going to pray together. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Someone's going to ask you to repeat after me. And, and like I said, it's not some formal magic thing. It's just a conversation with God. And my hope, maybe this will be the first of many conversations you have with the one who created you, the one who loves you, with God. Would you all pray this prayer together with me? Dear God, Dear God. thank you for loving me just as I am. Today, I accept your forgiveness. I accept your grace over my past, over my mistakes, over my sin. I commit to live according to your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, you you said, man, I want to begin this journey. Maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't. I want to ask you to do something. Not, Not because we want to make a big spectacle, because we want to help you continue to follow Jesus. Because this isn't the end. This is a beginning of a journey. And that journey is incredible. We want to give you resources and help support you. So if you're here in person, on your pew, there's a blue Connect card. You can fill that out and check the box, I committed my life to Jesus today. And you can uh, drop that in a giving box or the Connection Center. Or if you're like, man, I don't want to write stuff. That's weird and everything. Go to connect.calvaryerwin.com on your phone. If you're watching online, go to connect.calvaryerwin.com. You can uh, just click the button there that I committed my life to Jesus. And we want to help resource you, support you. That, that This is not the, the last step. This is the first step of an amazing journey together. God is something important for your life. The band's gonna play a song here as we prepare to close. And as they play this song, I want you to think about something. Uh, One, what has God forgiven you of? You know, we, uh, the longer we follow Jesus, sometimes the the easier it is to forget that we've all been forgiven. We were once sinners saved by grace. We're still sinners saved by grace. What has God forgiven you of? And number two, how can God work through you? Because the forgiveness and grace that God extends to you isn't simply for you. It's not to end with you, not to stop with you. It's to make a difference in the world. For Peter, Peter experienced this incredible forgiveness, this moment where Jesus reinstates him. He becomes a leader in the early church. And you know what? A few weeks later, Peter stood in front of thousands of people, shared the same message of Jesus. That Jesus could forgive. That Jesus could transform. That he was truly the son of God. And 3,000 people would begin to follow Jesus that day because of Peter's words. It wasn't about Peter. It was about G- what Jesus could do through Peter. And God wants to do that in your life. So as we, the band's going to sing this song. I want you to reflect on what God's forgiven you of, but also how can God use you to extend the same grace he's given you to the world around you? Listen to this powerful song as we uh, reflect on that this morning.